Welcome back to Walking Away from Arcadia. We are in our second adventure of Hunters Augmented, a adventure in Changeling Countless Dreams. I am here with our intrepid crew, who we will now go around and everyone can introduce themselves for listeners who are just tuning in for the first time. Hi, I'm Erica, and I will be playing Casey, who is an explorer in this particular system and a sophomore in the biology department in the human world. Hello, I'm Simon, and I'm going to be playing Mark, who is an ancestor and a grumpy beekeeper. Hi, I'm Angel, and I am playing Esty, who is a professor of optical physics at the University of Washington. And kind of a jerk, honestly. Hi, I'm Josh, and I am playing Conrad Brand, a PhD candidate and a seeker of the void. Hi, I'm Natali, and I'm playing Neodymium, a graduate student and most certainly the most socially capable character in this group. Facial expressions are great. And I am Victor Kinzer, and I am storytelling this crazed adventure. When we last left our group, they had been summoned to the office of Admiral Shankwa Bakshi, the head of the Countless on the University of Washington campus. And uh, there had been a series of unexplained disappearances over the past several weeks, and it had everyone incredibly anxious and concerned. They had been approached by Conrad Commodore, Commodore Conrad, and uh, <laughs> had agreed, at least tentatively, to accept his help while trying to figure out this dangerous mystery that has been plaguing their communities. So now they have traveled across campus and are at the Admiral's office. Admiral Shankwa is the chair of the Aeronautics Department at the University of Washington, and they have passed through a throng of very upset protesters most of whom are changelings, a few of whom are countless. And they are now in the Admiral's office. And as you enter the room, there are several individuals, all of whom are changelings, having a very involved argument with the Admiral's receptionist. The receptionist is trying desperately to calm everyone down. There are seven changelings in the room. And they are led by a very tall, very graceful-looking woman who is a she, but fairly modestly dressed for a she. She doesn't have any of the fineries in her voil that you would expect to see from a noble. And of everyone there, she also seems to have the most calm demeanor, although she's also not particularly pleased. Behind her are six other changelings who are very upset, and in front of her is a very flustered receptionist just trying to get control of her office space again. You all walk in and immediately draw the attention of the group of yelling, upset changelings, and they are not pleased to see you at all. Although mostly at this point, you're just getting sort of ugly stares. What will you do upon entering the room? I've never seen a crowd more in need of a drink. The receptionist just looks 
somewhat desperately at you. The changeling standing behind the she-woman start moving towards you, asking what you are doing here. One individual in particular, a uh, selkie, is sort of leading the charge there and demanding to know why you're here and what you've done with her friends, and she is pushing the issue. But really, they're all sort of talking over each other. Well, can I use Intimidate to very loudly say one at a time? You absolutely can. Excellent. Let me find some dice. The difficulty here is going to be six. I got three successes. So you raise your voice and just sort of cry out one at a time, and it silences the din. The receptionist just lets out a huge sigh and she mouths thank you at you from across the room but now no one else can see her everyone is somewhat taken aback except for the very tall she woman she doesn't seem intimidated by you she seems very pleased that this has been brought under control as well Uh, because of the noise that you've made the office door to the left of you with the frosted glass and the dean's name imprinted on it opens and the dean walks out. The dean is a silicate. You spoke with them earlier via hologram and they appear very much the way they did then, only in more physical form. They have sort of silicate circuits and interfaces running all up and down their body. There are various places for them to connect with the machinery that they make a general part of their life. They walk out, and they're relieved that you're here. The crowd turns and is now aware that the subject of their anger is present, but due to your previous statement, they don't immediately jump into things again. The admiral looks at you and says, I'm glad you're finally here. Please come into my office. I gesture at the only other collected person in the room, the she-woman, and say, I believe you were about to speak. The she-woman looks over. She nods at you, acknowledging what you've just done, and thanks you, and says, Admiral, my name is Marilyn Pennyworth, and I've been sent by the local court. We need to speak. I understand what is going on here and that you likely have a great deal of business of your own to attend to related to recent events but i think it would be better if we were all involved in this conversation she sort of positions herself ahead of the other changelings in the room and you realize that all does not necessarily include everyone in this room as far as she is concerned the admiral looks at her and then looks at you and says, all right. I begin using my body size to push the people we want, the crew plus that she, into the direction of the room we're going. (laughs) As you're doing that, despite your intimidation role, they realize what's being done and they begin to protest again, but they really aren't going to be able to push past you. So you are all moving into the Admiral's office, and the Admiral's receptionist is helping you, and you 
you know, eventually are able to slip into the office. It is a very large, attractive office. She is the chair of the aeronautics department. And so Dr. Bakshi motions for you to come in and sit. There are a number of chairs available, although it was clear that she was not expecting to have this additional guest. So they are short one chair, and uh, she is not particularly interested in opening the door again and dealing with all of that. Will you all take chairs, or will one of you stand so that the representative from the local changeling court has a place to sit? Neodymium isn't sitting down. There is one chair that is available, and... uh, The rest of you sit down, as does the she. She is going to introduce herself. She did mention her name earlier as Marilyn Pennyworth. She did not introduce herself as having any sort of title. And she says, Admiral, I appreciate you making me part of this conversation. I am currently acting as a representative from the local court, as I'm sure you have noticed the the local changelings are upset about what's happening and they are largely accusing your people of being responsible for the disappearances as they've happened i've been selected because my sister was one of the first people to disappear i don't know if you are aware but i am sir gwendolyn pennyworth's sister I have not been involved in the court, but given the recent events, they have pulled me back in. I would very much like to avoid any sort of confrontation happening between our people, but things are very tense right now. What, if anything, are you doing about what has been happening? The Admiral will respond and say, well, it is timely that you have arrived. Uh, I am doing something about this currently. That's why this crew has been asked to come here. We don't know what has been going on. We don't know why there have been so many individuals who have just vanished. And so we are tapping quite a few of our people to begin to investigate directly. The Admiral will now turn to all of you. Is there anyone in particular who is really sort of standing forward and presenting themselves as a leader in this situation. Casey visibly shrinks in the chair. I am doing my absolute best to not be prominent. That makes sense as being the outsider. Neodymium skipping straight over the formalities of that question. What was your precise reasoning for choosing our group? You're not the only group that has been chosen. There are other crews that are also going to be tapped to deal with this situation, but you are known for your resourcefulness and you are known for having a variety of different skills. We really want anyone who can help locate these individuals, find out any clues about why they've disappeared or what's happening and bring it back to us. Thus far, everyone who has been impacted by this has not returned. We haven't had anyone sort of come back and tell the story or witness anything from afar. These people just vanish. 
Well, Montana is very far away. That catches the attention of both the Admiral and Marilyn. They both turn to you, and Marilyn actually gets a comment out before the Admiral. What do you mean, Montana? What does Montana have to do with these disappearances? I give Neodymium a little hat on the shoulder. They both turn their attention to you. Everyone carries a cell phone. Yes. They are very confused. Their cell phone was in Montana at the last time it synced to a cell network. How how do you know this? When when did you discover this information? The Admiral is now sort of falling over himself. I, I just spoke with you. Why didn't you mention this earlier? You did not ask specifically earlier, and he's going to look down at his watch. 45 minutes ago. The Admiral is about to jump forward with another comment, but takes a breath. As a fellow silicate, he understands that you're just sharing information. However, Marilyn pushes right through and says, this is completely unacceptable. Is my sister in Montana? How was she taken there? What's going on? And you can feel the panic rising in her voice. I do not know who your sister is. Did she have a cell phone that you could give me the number of, and I could possibly ascertain if Montana was the last place? So I'm going to give everyone else in the room the opportunity to jump in here. You all know Neodymium. The rest of you can read the panic in her face and in her mannerisms. She's immediately jumping in with more sort of stuttering, panicked comments and jumping into just an anger response. Does anyone else want to intercede in this exchange? Specifically, it was John who is in Montana. Correct, yes. She'll turn to look at you and say, but it was just John. Cell phones. You got you got through the cell phones. So... And she takes a few deep breaths, and she's trying very hard to control her emotions. So John's cell phone was in Montana. I've I've spoken with him before. His family's in Montana. He went back there once a couple years ago when he died. Oh, when he died. I don't think people are being kidnapped at all. I think they're being killed. If he's dead, why would he be in Montana? She looks over at you, and she's very confused. You cannot honestly tell me none of you have ever died, been beaten down until you enter winter, as though your life has ended. To be reborn anew months later, years later? I've hibernated. Yes, we'll... I'm sure it's very similar. But I've never heard of so many of us, short of an actual war, going into death so quickly like this. Hibernation. Are you aware of anything that might have caused that? Does that help isolate any of your information at all? It certainly doesn't help with anything I've heard about. We've only just started on this, but we have been getting some anomalous anthropic hostility readings that we could look into further. She seems confused, and she's just about to say something and thinks better of it. She turns back to the Admiral and says, I 
I have to go back to the court and tell them something. This gives me a little bit of information to pursue. I can send some of John's friends after him. Maybe we'll find out more when they get there. I want to help you with this, but I need you to understand that when I go back to the courts, my people are not feeling collaborative and they are not normally in the position of being my people. I am not normally involved the way I am, but I will try as best as I can to mediate this. With my sister absent, there's no one really mediating this relationship, as it were. Do you have a list of the people who are missing? So you have that list from before. She will pull out a piece of paper and share it with you. It's the same individuals you were aware of. I point at Professor Jean, and I say, it's not much to work with, but she's one of ours. If nothing else, if you're any good at spin, you should be able to use that. I've already used that. Prior to Professor Novotny's disappearance, the local changelings were ready to bring war to you directly. My sister didn't want that, and I don't want that. I've done my best to calm them, as you can see, with limited effect. I have no reason to think that you're involved in this, and neither does the Baron, although, if I'm honest, he would happily throw you under the bus so that no one asked questions that were too difficult for him to answer. The citizens of the barony just want someone to blame. They are terrified, and understandably so. Having our kind disappear is the sort of thing that can mean fairly terrible things. I will say that I spoke with you. I will do what I can back in the court, but know that I've already shared this information with them. I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, why are we being blamed? The Admiral will actually sort of jump in here and say, we're a convenient scapegoat. This isn't the first time that I've had this sort of conversation with your court. Although I've never made your acquaintance, and I have to say, you're more pleasant than most. This has been an amenable conversation, which under the circumstances, I'm surprised by. The Admiral turns to you and says, the local changelings would more or less love to blame us for the sky being blue on a day that is too bright for them. It's annoying. And it's very clear that she's sick of these conversations in general. She turns back to Marilyn and says, is there anything else you have? I appreciate you coming and delivering this message. As you can tell, we had information for you. We are happy to cooperate, and we are addressing this as well as we can. It's surprising, given that it took so long for one of ours to disappear, that you didn't address it sooner. With characteristic brusqueness, and Marilyn sort of stands up and looks frustrated, but keeps her cool and says, yes, we We've done what we can. We have limited resources. I appreciate your willingness to see me. And she'll sort of turn and 
leave, she can tell this conversation is no longer particularly productive. Hopefully before she leaves, I try to ask her, do you know where uh, Sir Gwendolyn would go when they're hyper-dead? When they die. She says, they'd go home. We were originally from the East Coast, Maryland. Our parents live out in the country. I haven't thought to call them, but I certainly will when I get home. Um, she, she worries about our mother, something I don't really have the time or the patience to do anymore, but she worries about our mother and tends to go and spend time with them when she forgets us. It's something I'll, I'll certainly let you know if I find out that that's where she is. I hope you have a pleasant conversation with your sleepwalker. There is a moment of just complete confusion. And she has that same sort of, I want to ask you what that means. But she's sort of already stressed by this entire exchange. And she sort of waits, looks around for a moment to make sure none of the rest of you are going to jump in with any strange statements. Once that moment has passed, she will nod to the Admiral again and turn and take herself out. You can hear the shouting when the door opens, and you can hear her immediately begin to address the assembled changelings and share some of the information about Jonathan's location and what she learned. Over the the next portion of the exchange you have with the Admiral, you will hear her eventually convince them all to leave the office, but it will take a bit of time. The door closes again with them still arguing uh, fairly intensely. And then you turn back to the Admiral, who is relaxed a little bit, but the Admiral keeps themselves very formal in general, and, and you're all fairly used to that. And she says, I'm glad that that's out of the way. <sighs> Can you share some more information about the cell phone research that you did? Before anyone can say anything, Casey's like, people are dying? <laughs> like, I don't want to be on this mission if people are dying. I don't want to die. Like, I don't, what? Calm I'm down. actually very happy to find out that people are dying. I used to do that a lot before I was implanted. Neodymium's going to look at the Admiral and indicate, we have also been approached by a human meat named Condor. It's Conrad. Seems... It was Commodore. It's Conrad. Conrad Brand. But you're a Commodore, right? That's why you're here with the Admiral. The Admiral turns to you and says, Commodore, it's it's excellent to meet you. I'm I'm glad to have any assistance that we can get in this situation. Uh, can I ask what your background is? Why have you approached this crew? Breaking and entering, um, unlawful entry of a building, apparently not texting their birth-er often enough. The, the Admiral turns and looks at you and says, have you had your dialogue wheel tuned recently? It is the most up-to-date version. It is indicating that I should, I should recite his most 
recent relevant actions. Those are his most recent relevant actions. You were trespassing. Where where were you trespassing? I went to visit these folks at their office space and spoke to them because we have a common interest in discovering who and why people are disappearing, which is something that's very important to me and the people that I represent. And I would like to make sure that I offer my help to all of you to track down your missing folks, to retrieve them if possible, and to then go back to the business that I have to focus on. And in your your excitement to move forward, you broke down the door so as to not have to waste time on social niceties, correct? You know, I knocked on the door, as any reasonable person would. The Admiral will turn back to you, Neodymium, and say, you should come by later when there's more time, and we can look at your dialogue wheel together. I've I spent entirely too much time tuning mine. I, I think I might have some advice for you. And we'll then turn back to the, the rest of you and uh, say, well, I'm, I'm glad that you have common interests. And it seems like you've already done quite a bit of discovery on this project before getting here. I appreciate your forward thinking, your action, as it were. So as you know, the individuals, which we've already spoken of, have disappeared. I have been running projections and it looks like this is going to accelerate. We are concerned. I say we, several of the other local countless from other crews who are better suited to lab and analysis work, not necessarily the field work that you are also good at. They've been working on this. They've been running analyses and it really looks like this is probably going to expand beyond our communities. I really want to head this off before there's any violence. We can deal with Baron and his rabble, but there are certainly other groups we track in this city that I would rather not have to fight. I don't want to lose any of my crews, any members of any of the crews I am responsible for. And unfortunately, it may not be hibernation if other people get involved. So what I would really like for all of you to do, she stops and, and looks off and she looks over at the group and you can tell you've, you've seen this happen with Neodymium. She's being signaled that it's an appropriate time for her to pause and, and let someone else speak. But it's just silence. She just waits in mid-sentence. What groups are you talking about? Well... The projections we've been running based on the patterns of data and where these events have taken place, as well as other readings, is that this may begin to involve the local animal population, the more aggressive, what are they called? The human animals. I'm already here. Humimals. I, I don't know what the terminology is. I, I, I don't do biological I don't work in the sciences. What? Lycanthropes. Oh, yes. I don't, I don't do soft sciences. That does sound familiar. Yes, I've, I've heard projections that they may eventually be involved, as well as other communities of, of humans that are somehow 
dead, not dead. I, there was a whole explanation. I, I work with rockets. I work with space. I don't have time for this shit. But yes, the projections imply that these other communities could be involved and they are not holographic. And I don't want to have to salvage anyone from a wrecked host. The Kyurgens are busy enough and I do not have it in me to interrupt my joining research just to do gross recovery. So I'd very much appreciate it if you could go out, investigate, find any information about what's going on beyond what you already have. Is there anything at all I can do to help any of you? What leads you to believe whatever this is will spread? We don't even know if it's anything more than a psycho. So she goes over and types in a few things in a keypad that's installed in her wall, and a projection screen comes down. A huge array of charts and graphs appear, and she says, we've been tracking quantum signatures, details, subspace inconsistencies at all of the locations where people have disappeared. And if you see here, these abnormalities are showing up in all of these other locations at a much lower rate, of course. Nothing I am clearly not through. paying attention. I mean, of course you aren't. The analysis will go on if you let it for about 15 minutes. There's a whole presentation. This she can talk about in depth. Neodymium pays absolutely perfect attention and will remember this verbatim because eidetic memory. So you gave me charts and graphs. <laughs> so he is also completely fascinated. Conrad is also fascinated. There is quite a bit of paradigmatic garble here, but you can tell that there is meaningful information hidden in all of this just ridiculous discussion about subspace. This is not how subspace works. You have studied subspace enough to know the dynamics, the spatial topography. None of this matches that. It's like it's off by a standard deviation. You could derive actual subspace dynamics out of what you're seeing, and so you wonder what else you might be able to derive from all of this. Are you implying that I might be interested in using a procedure here? This might be a moment to use a procedure to extract some more usable information from what you're seeing. Yay, magic powers. Mm. So Conrad would do that only if he could do so surreptitiously. I don't know that I have a good procedure to use necessarily. That wouldn't be super obvious. Yeah, and you don't explicitly have cloaking. Right. What I would suggest in that situation, because you do have a phone and there are always mundane means, I would recommend recording this and you can do your procedure later when you are not around a bunch of countless. Great. I will very obviously pull out my phone and tap a couple of apps and record it. The Admiral is thrilled that you are so interested in their work. The presentation, like I said, it will go on for a good 15 minutes of just pure paradigmatic garble. Even for those of you where this doesn't align with your particular theory development or arts, 
you can see that there are patterns that whatever it is that was happening at these locations where these individuals disappeared, it did leave an echo. And similar echoes are appearing elsewhere on campus, even though nothing's happened in those places. Generally, the echoes in those other locations are much smaller, but they are present. After that extended period of time, the Admiral will turn back to all of you and say, this is everything we have. This is all of the analysis that has been done so far. I hope it gives you a lead. Admiral, would you be so kind as to download all of this information to an interface that I can use to then extrapolate data along a search pattern, i.e., I'm going to use this bullshit for later? The Admiral reaches underneath their left arm and begins to pull, and a very long cable just extends out of their body, and they hand it over to you. (laughs) So neodymium is just completely unfazed, and you see a port open right... It is uncomfortably close to the under one of his eyes, so at first it looks like he's just jamming the port into his eye. Oh, and then you just see... And then you just see his eyes going back and forth rapidly for about 30, 45 seconds. You hear a dial-up sound, but you're not sure whether that's really necessary. But within 30 and 45 seconds, he seems to have downloaded the data and promptly pulls the jack out and hands it back to the Admiral, which he then says, appropriate, thankful statement. He really do need to work on your dialogue wheel. Uh, yes, uh, that, that is the entire presentation. I, I hope that that is useful for you. I hope it will be too. I don't know if there's anything else that I can share with you that would be useful, but I, I really have other things that I need to attend to. Here's, we're doing a search committee for new faculty. I, I have a meeting to get to. I have interviews the rest of this week. Like you would not believe... A, if you'll excuse me, I'm, I'm sure you know the way out. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate the assistance. And their demeanor very rapidly sort of changes and they're appreciative and they get up and sort of turn away from you and, and begin to walk away. And you can hear them mumbling questions under their breath, questions about what, what is your favorite thing that is being served here? Oh, yes, that is, that is very nice. And they just sort of wander out practicing what appears to be dinner conversation. I see the Admiral is practicing dinner conversation. This is very difficult. You now have a series of leads, uh, and you have a little more information about what's going on, why Montana. What do you all want to do next? Is there a radio station on this campus? I know not all universities actually have a student radio station. There is a student radio station on the campus. So the Admiral left the room, correct? Correct, yes. Once she does so, Conrad will turn to the group and quizzically ask, why are you all showing your holographic selves so openly? Isn't that a little uncommon? I always look like this. Everyone except for Conrad roll anthropic hostility. Uh, it'll be a relatively low difficulty roll. 
the difficulty will only be seven, but you all are suddenly reminded of the fact that he doesn't belong here and you feel out of place and your resonance is immediately disrupted as a result. I'm sorry, everyone. (laughs) Yeah, Josh, stop triggering us. (laughs) Um, So for everyone else, this is the same as a banality trigger. So you'll roll your permanent zero point energy difficulty seven. And as long as there is a success, you don't gain an anthropic radiation level. Yeah, no, I failed that one. Wow. That's (laughs) (laughs) all right. We are sensitive. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in a mood. (laughs) Oh my God. We're like the doctor from Voyager. Esty and Mark both feel their holographic form shudder and uh, sort of give way as though it's sort of moving out of resolution very briefly. Uh, It's a passing feeling. It it doesn't disrupt your ability to sort of engage or, or present, but it is very uncomfortable. You just feel out of sync for the remainder of the scene. Casey, did you succeed on your ZPE role? Yes. So Neodymium and SD brush off the comment. They don't really think much of it. But you are also all reminded that Conrad is not used to being abducted, despite the fact that he was somewhat more aware of you than you would expect for a local meet But once he was abducted by Mark, he is very aware, and he probably needs maybe a little more orientation than you've given him. I have a drink. I've been hiding a drink this whole time. (laughs) So Mark pulls out a flask. How is your drink hidden? Yeah, let's, let's do a flask. A flask of mead sounds appropriately disgusting. Oh, yes. He pulls out a flask of mead and is drinking it. Conrad, you are very aware that none of them have really answered your question. Did I notice that there was a bit of a like a uh, reaction to it, though, by at least a couple of them? Go ahead and give me a perception plus empathy. Difficulty seven. It's two successes. Absolutely. Um, you did notice that the glossing over of that question was probably somewhat intentional, as it did make especially Mark and Esty, very uncomfortable. Condor, these are just aspects that you were acting as if you were aware of. There is no need for deception. All right. Well, let's start our investigation, friends. I apologize for stepping into an uncomfortable area. Let's just get focused on things that need to get focused on. As you say that, and as everyone is sort of uh, probably turning back to that focus, want to get away from this whole anthropically complicated conversation to begin with, you do have a thought sort of burst into the back of your mind, Conrad, that you've been here before. You remember this, and it would be easier for you if you just remembered all of it. It's a particular tone of voice in your mind that is often very distracting. Sometimes it's helpful for your work, but not always. And this is one of those moments where you feel like it's not necessarily helpful. 
but yeah, that I'm whisper noping. is there. <laughs> I'm noping right out of that. Like, nope, nope. Mm-mm. Okay. So for everyone else, in terms of getting back to the topic of this investigation, how do you want to proceed? I suggest we commandeer the local radio equipment and alter it in such a manner as to scan for subspace anomalies over the past 24 to 48 hours, if such data can be garnered from the station. Does that work? Why wouldn't it? That is an excellent question. Neodymium, how would you want to approach that with your arts? Mechanically, what I'm doing is fermionics and primal. Okay. I was going to talk to the radio signals. I think that is something that you have done experimenting on before. You will have to get to the equipment to complete your intended procedures. Oh, of course, I have to interface with the equipment. You don't just yell into the ether. This is science. This is a theory that you have seen executed before in Neodymium's work. So you are all fairly certain he would be capable of accomplishing this, but you would have to get to the student radio station, and it is across campus. Also, we would have to listen to whatever they're playing in the moment. Student radio is unpredictable. Do not worry. Dova Bear is here to protect us. So how do you want to approach this? Do you want to just go there? It's currently early afternoon. You could just go there now. Do you want to pick a different time of the day? How do you want to plan this out? As a student, do I know anyone that is in that department? You have contacts? I have a contact, but they are MIA at this point. So there are your sort of discrete known contacts, but I also tend to run contacts as just the sort of low-level incidental how well sure. are you connected and know people. So you can roll that one contact. This isn't that unusual, so I'll make it difficulty six. Dun, dun. Hmm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a no. I uh, just does... only hang out with other biologists. I have never <laughs> seen another person in from a different department, apparently. <laughs> If anyone else that would like to roll to see if they know anyone connected to the radio station, uh, I same have roll. contacts. DJs don't exist in physical reality. <laughs> I have Actually, no contacts. You have contacts. So, what is the roll? Just contacts and just contacts. And the difficulty is six for anyone associated with the university. If you're not, I think everyone here is directly associated with the university, so the difficulty will be six for everyone. One success. You know that one of your graduate assistants runs a once weekly student radio show talking about their work and trying to to make science accessible for the other students on campuses. Kind of a YouTube science hour, only they do it on student radio. It's late night. They can't talk anyone into earlier hours, but they know the building. They know the layout and no one would be surprised to see them there. All right, then Esty will share that information and perhaps propose that we wait until the opportune moment in order to visit the studio. 
So their show is only once a week. It won't actually broadcast for a couple more days, but it wouldn't be that difficult for you to get in touch with them. And you know they could easily go there at a different time for another reason. Do you want to call them, message them? Text, of course. Text, of course. What will you send them as a text? Oh, man. Beepity-boop. Let me into the radio station. <laughs> Beepity-boop. Um, what up, fellow person? You have to use emojis. That's how humans communicate. <laughs> Is there a radio tower in there? <laughs> Radio Already. tower, train, train, water droplet, eggplant, ghost. <laughs> Casey is getting oh. increasingly concerned <laughs> and says, this is your student, right? Yes. And motions, like, with their hands to give them the phone. <laughs> and I'll hand the phone over. Whoa. Okay. And then I'm just going to use my super millennial slash zennial. I'm on the curve energy and just send a totally casual appropriate text for a professor to send to a student <laughs> i have a lot of stuff in communication do you want me to use etiquette or expression or what would you like um yeah this would be etiquette so go ahead and give me a it's not exactly charisma because over text you're really constructing this we'll say manipulation plus etiquette uh oh. difficulty is six you are picking the most appropriately dank meme to send as an opening message. Three, you should exactly. send them pictures of dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I have three successes. I'm sure I made like a really good reference to a local um, uh, DJ on like the regular radio waves that I'm sure they will think will afford SD some cred. You do. Absolutely. Um, you get a text back from your student immediately. They are ready and prepared to respond to that text. And they say, oh, professor, that, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, we can, we can meet there later today. I'd love to show you around. Would you be willing to, to come on and do an interview? I mean, that would be great. Your work is fascinating. And they're smelling, they're smelling that improvement in their grade. You can, you can see it. They did not project back the subtlety of the message that was sent to them. Before handing the <laughs> phone back, I immediately commit SD to the interview. I say, that sounds great, absolutely. I have some open office hours, but no one really ever shows up, so let's just take one of those. <laughs> I dislike you immensely right now, Casey. I understand none of these subtleties, but if I did, I would approve. In case he hands uh, back the phone. <laughs> you get the phone back and look at the message exchange and now realize exactly what you have been committed to. Really? Really? They're going to want to help us more if they're going to get something out of it. This I'm only doing this for the group. Fine. So, and a little bit my amusement, but that also is good for the group, right? You say I'm too uptight. Mark slaps Casey on the back. <laughs> good job. So this Thursday, there will be an interview on their show. It will be fantastic. But it's fine. They're happy to record it during your office hours that no one comes to. And you are in no way obliged to hold by your department. 
you now know that in two hours' time, you are to meet this individual at the radio station. They're going to be waiting for you out front, outside the main entrance. They're happy to take you in, show you around, get you anything you need. All right. Are we all going? There would be no problem with all of you going. Excellent. Dova Bear has seen horror movies and sees no reason to split up. Condor right. is our pet meat, so we must bring him. All right. The, uh, <laughs> the, the meat will also attend. It was not an option. So there was you, no leaving. <laughs> <laughs> so you now have uh, two hours until you have to be at that meeting at the radio station. What will you be doing next? Refilling my flask. Well, Esty's in a particularly cranky mood and is going to say, Neo, can you uh, go put that data on telly now, please? I want to take a look. While this exchange is occurring, he is doing just that in the background. <laughs> so you are going to just nestle in to do all of this data analysis in the Admiral's office? Or do you want to head back to your UFO? We're going back to the UFO. Or at least I'm going back to the UFO. So when is this interview actually supposed to be taking place? Like, what's the time frame here? I'm going to say it's currently two in the afternoon, and you asked to meet at the radio station because you had your own reasons for being there. The student asked if you'd be willing to do an interview. So this isn't for the interview. You asked to be shown around the radio station. So that's going to be taking place around four o'clock. Okay. So Neodymium will be totally used to Dova Bear's incessant need to refill with liquid carbohydrate suspensions and will intake H2O of his own needs while networking with Telly to upload all this very relevant and very important and very, very, very factual data backing it up because that's just smart data management. Okay. You're backing up the data, but are you doing all this work at the Admiral's office? Are you going back to no, we're you going know, back your to observatory? The ship. You're going back to the observatory. So you head out of the Admiral's office, and the receptionist looks at you, catches your eyes, and very specifically looks at Dova Bear and just mouths another thank you as you pass by because she was panicking earlier and you're pretty sure that if you ever needed a favor from her you could get a favor I she is, with my flask she chuckles a little bit she is a local she is not joined she's not countless or changeling but she definitely appreciates you so you are heading back to your observatory, and it, you know, it takes 15, 20 minutes to get there. As you're taking a shortcut down a, a back way through one of the buildings on sort of the outskirts of the engineering department, you suddenly hear this ruckus coming from around the hall. There just sounds like a bunch of people laughing, and they're talking about some sort of game that they're playing. Everyone give me a dowsing plus perception check. Conrad, if you could give me an awareness plus perception check. Difficulty is going to be seven. I am in my cups. 
I have four successes. Yeah, I have three successes. Okay. Conrad, what did you land? I failed. Okay. And Mark, when you said you are in your cups, you zero? Okay. Mark and Conrad, you both just think it sounds like a bunch of students who are doing whatever. For the rest of the group, you hear in the back of your head the distinctive hum of holographic projectors. So not necessarily a a native holographic entity, but a projected artificial generated holographic source will often just make this hum. You can sort of feel it in your spine and you all feel that. And it's very sharp. The way a sound can be electronic and be very unnerving. This is a very sharp, unnerving sound and you can sort of feel it in your teeth and in your bones. It's very unsettling. The sound of these sort of laughing sounds like young college students, probably four or five of them, does sound like they are about to turn a hallway corner and intercept you. What are you going to do? Is there a place where we could duck around, maybe like a niche in the in the hallway or something like that, so we could be less easily observed? <laughs> yeah, go ahead and give me a wits plus stealth roll. Difficulty go is going to be eight. Well, what do you know? I got two. (laughs) You got two. You do see sort of a a side door. You think you're not in an area with a bunch of classrooms. It might be a closet. Maybe if you're lucky, it's an actual room. And you sort of slip over and try it, and it is not locked. You are going to have to sort of motion everyone else to get in. Everyone who succeeded on their dowsing check because you're immediately on edge, you will take that lead immediately and sort of move in. For Mark and Conrad, though, you aren't on edge. Give me a perception plus alertness roll to just realize that anything is going on. Difficulty, since you didn't succeed on the previous roll, is going to be eight. No, I fail. No successes. All right. So the three of you quickly go in and... As you're turning, Esty, to motion the remainder of your crew to come in, these five college students turn the corner, and one of them says, there, there, right there, I am getting this one. This one's mine. And they sort of rush forward towards Udova Bear, and they're pressing buttons on their phone, and you are suddenly just rocketed with this projection that comes out of their phone. It's a projection of light, and it's almost like it scans you, and you suddenly feel like you've been knocked out of yourself. Roll anthropic hostility. Difficulty is going to be nine. I got one nine. All right. You don't actually take any anthropic hostility. The other... Kids are all typing away at their phones, and you see holographic armor weapons start to come into resolution on them. They're all being encased in holographic gear and look like they're revving up to attack you. They all are sort of laughing like this is a fun game. Which building are we in? You're currently in the bioengineering building. 
The bioengineering building, you say? Yes. You're on one of the lower sort of back hallways. It's a shortcut through the engineering complex. So it's faster to sort of get to the aeronautics building and get to the top where your observatory is. Are there labs and things down here? Not down on this floor. This floor is largely used by service maintenance. There's a lot of storage down here, but the labs are higher up. Yes, Conrad. I would like to tell all of these students to back off and please leave us alone. I'm getting on like a bit of a command voice while I'm doing so and being like, back the heck off. Okay, go ahead and give me charisma plus intimidation. What's my difficulty? Your difficulty is going to be nine, actually. So one success. The sort of two kids that started this action, that took sort of the first in the front, they falter a little bit. They're like, oh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, are you, are you a professor? And then one of the ones behind them who's still actively clicking on their phone and building up gear says, oh, come on, man. He's just trying to throw you off. Anyone who's tagged is contractually obliged to play the game. So let's do this. And he just pulls up this holographic gun and takes a shot at Dova Bear. Quick question. Mm -hmm. Does this in any way appear to be originating from their cell phones? Oh, it absolutely. All of this energy is coming out of their cell phone. The shot is taken sort of very rough and ready. Dova Bear, because you aren't doing anything else, I will allow you to roll dodge. Give me a dexterity plus athletics roll. Okay. One success is enough. However, this thing fires past you and you feel the heat of the blast as you do just barely step out of the way. And <laughs> just barely. Yeah, <laughs> just barely. And you realize that would have taken a hunk of your holographic integrity right out of you. Everyone give me an initiative check. So you're all sort of taken aback, and one of these kids who is now wearing what looks like very slender microfiber armor and is holding two very large monofilament blades comes rushing forward and is going to take attempt to, to take a swipe out of Conrad. Condor, no. <laughs> Just to sort of resolve how I handle combat, I will give everyone one offensive and one defensive action each round. It avoids splitting and other mess. So you can absolutely dodge this if you want. That would be athletics plus dexterity. Yep, I will definitely attempt to. Okay. Though my two fours and a five probably make that unlikely. Unlikely. So you are immediately struck by these blades. I you scream. Will t- you feel uh, a pain as they cut into you. The pain feels different. It it almost vibrates through you. It feels not quite real. And there's some sort of thought in the back of your mind that just says, why am I still playing this game? And you will take two holographic lethal damage. So uh, that is not going to be on your character sheet because you have a mage character sheet. 
You just have a track of damage next to you. You take no lethal damage from this at all. Your body is unaffected, but it feels as though it's been affected. And when you look down, you can see blood. But part of you is just yelling in the back of your mind, why are you still playing this game? Next, I think our highest numbers were the 11s. The 11s want to roll off to see who goes first. All right. Oh, you go first. Oh, okay. So how many of them are there? There's three, is that right? There are five, actually. There are five. Um, There's five of these kids, yeah. Okay. Do they all look like they're wearing armor? They all look like they have their own very specialized gear. One of them, the one who just attacked, is in sort of stealth, hypertech-looking armor with these two fibroblades. One of them is wearing sort of heavy mech armor and holding an assault rifle. He's the one who just took a shot. One of them has a very sleek-looking, long, black trench coat. He has a pair of holographic shades and a couple of pistols. They all have completely mismatched personas that are being projected on them by their cell phones, which are all somehow manifesting actual holographic reality. Does trench coat guy have a katana? He does not have a katana, but you feel like it would complete the ensemble. The fourth one <laughs> is set up in what looks like flight gear of some sort, and they don't actually have any weapons. They just have their phone that they're still working on. That's the one that sort of emitted just the ray of light it almost looked like it was scanning Dova Bear. And then the fourth one has a very generic set of gear. Like they have a pistol and they have what looks like sort of heavy clothing that has sort of a, a generic cyberpunk looking vibe to it. You might almost think, yeah, you might <laughs> think that maybe this is his first encounter if this were to be, say, a game. What kind of room did we end up in? Is it a closet or is it like a classroom? So this encounter is still happening in the hallway. It's all still happening in the hallway. Okay. It is still happening in the hallway. So Neodymium, Casey, and Esty are all in a room. Looks like an office, probably an office for service maintenance staff where they come in. There's a place for them to store their stuff. There's some lockers down there. And so you're in the doorway, Esty, because you were motioning Dova Bear and Conrad, come on, get in. And then Neodymium and Casey are behind them. Is there maybe a broom or something leaning up by the door that I could grab as a weapon? Absolutely, yes. A broom, mop, big yellow mopping buckets, all the things you'd expect to see in a service area. Cool. So whichever one is standing closer, either the one that had the light that was shooting or the one who has the swords. Which one's standing closer to the, the guy? The one with the blades is definitely standing closer because they rushed forward to attack. Cool. I'm going to swing at his hands and try to knock the phone out of his hands. Okay. Give me a dexterity plus melee check. It's probably not going to be good, but that's okay. Holy shit, it's actually really good. <laughs> that's three successes. <laughs> well, he is completely taken aback. This is not how the game is supposed to be played. And... He just sort of stutters, and he actually drops his phone before you make contact, and it falls. And you can almost see everything slow down for just a moment, where you can watch it, and you know it's landing right on its corner in the worst possible way. And when it lands, a spark jumps out where it hits the cement floor, and shards just shatter through the glass 
on the rare occasion you can get Gorilla Glass to actually shatter, it's it's ugly. You got three successes. He botched to dodge. That phone is destroyed and all of his holographic gear is gone. And he just looks completely taken aback and says, what, what's, what, this isn't, you're, you're, you're contractually obliged to play the game with us. What's going on? The rest of them are, are also shocked and very upset, but they're still fully geared. So Neodymium, what are you going to do with what you've just seen? I'm going to get these noobs banned from this game. I'm going to computer and intelligence hack their phones to send out obvious mod signals for each of their avatars. All right. Give me a computer plus intelligence check. Your difficulty is going to be seven. That would be four successes. Four successes. So you are able to easily send out a signal and connect to all of their phones. You are sort of rushing in, trying to get connection and shut down their phones. As soon as you connect to it, there is a sudden surge of anthropic radiation that pushes back through digital subspace and attempts to inject itself into your devices. And because you're a silicate and a digital native, you connect sort of automatically. You saw it coming and realized what happened. And you were able to stabilize the connection. You will not be able to shut down any of their phones this round. But you were able to make a stable connection despite all that anthropic hostility and prevent local digital subspace from completely collapsing. You will take one anthropic hostility role. It's only going to be difficulty six because you caught this so early. Okay. I pass with flying colors. You're totally fine. You'll be able to actually try to take some actions on their phones starting next round. So how many of them are still armed? Sorry, just to make sure my understanding is correct. Four of them are still armed. Yes. Well, uh, one of them has been totally derezzed. They are no longer engaged in the game at all. Cool. So I will pick the next threat that is still armed, and I will point and say, oh, my God, your phone. And I will use chicanery and fields to make it look like the phone is having some sort of electrical malfunction. What are you going to do for your procedure? Or is your formula really the social engagement with them? That's what I was figuring. But if you want it to be more complicated, I can make it a bit more pizzazz. I imagine as someone who is also that's just younger and stuff, I could like Mm -hmm. pretend that I'm texting on my phone and look up and be like, oh my God, yours. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So you're going to be peeking out from the room and suddenly sort of playing that. Yes. I like that take. So this is absolutely going to be a social role. Go ahead and roll charisma plus either expression or performance, whichever you'd prefer. Uh, Difficulty will be eight since it is a formula. Expression. Okay. Hold on. More dice coming. Difficulty eight. I have a success. All right. You have a success. So you did succeed at that being compelling. So that will count as a level one formula. What is your specialty theory? Specialty theory would be fields or nature. So you are using fields. So then your difficulty on the actual formula formula role will only be six. Well, it didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, so you did not succeed on the the formula itself? I did not succeed on the formula itself. All right. So you made that attempt. You step out. And I will say, because you did get uh, a little bit of a success on the social role, they are a, a little bit distracted on their next role. They're not quite sure what's going on. But you didn't actually project uh, dysfunction on their phone. I imagine what happens is I step out and I'm like, oh, and I'm like, I pretend that I'm texting and look up and say, oh my God, your phone. And as I gesture, I'm just thrown off and I almost like drop mine and I fumble with it a little bit. And then I just go back into the corner because this has been (laughs) an abject failure and I am now ashamed. (laughs) Oh, so after you do that and it's the new kid who sort of looks down at their phone, like what, what's wrong with my phone? Is my phone, is my phone not good enough? And they're a little bit distracted. And then uh, the sort of big space marine who's now just annoyed, like they have expectations. He's turning his rifle on you and he's attempting to get a blast in before you duck back. You did thankfully have some cover. So he is going to have to get a pretty decent roll. Oh, uh, he ends up taking a shot right in the side of the wall. For all of their great equipment, they really don't have particularly good gear. Just a bunch of stormtroopers here. They really are. They're just a bunch of stormtroopers. And you hear a sizzling sound, like you hear the crack of the plaster in the wall, and you smell it burning. And you're very glad that you uh, stepped back at that last moment. The kid who was the newbie is also going to get to go at this point, And he's just kind of all right, I, I, I can't be distracted. And he is going to take a pot shot at Esty based on who is available. But he doesn't have a particularly impressive looking pistol. You can take a dodge action if you want. Give it a try. That's two successes. Okay. It will wing you right on your shoulder. Go ahead and roll soak. So stamina and difficulty is six for this as well. Uh, ones do not cancel on this roll. Okay, just one success then. Okay, you will take two chimerical lethal damage from that shot. Ow. And you feel it, it hits into your shoulder, and you feel the bullet just burrow in, and your shoulder stiffen up, and it is incredibly now difficult. You hear kind of the clanking sound as your machinery starts to seize up and try to compensate. You know this sound and you know that it means nothing good. So now that is definitely going to be Conrad going next. Background here. Conrad does not have post-traumatic stress. However, he does have nightmares from situations similar to this. So there is going to be a, a bit of a reaction I would like to ask, you said that one of them looked like a space marine. Is that Mm -hmm. correct? He's the one with the rifle, so he's already gone this round. Would you say the rest of them look like fantasy characters, or do they look also cyberpunk-ish? They all look, uh, I wouldn't say cyberpunk specifically. Certainly the guy in the trench coat looks cyberpunk. So does the one who doesn't have a weapon. He just sort of has the projecting console but they all look like characters from various science fiction stories. None of them look fantasy. Okay. Conrad attempting to control the situation and control... He knows these are friendly forces, 
that are mistakenly attacking him. And so he's going to attempt again to rally them and be like, look, you need to cease your actions here. Stop. So he's going to take that commanding voice again and try and do a leadership type thing. All right. You can again roll charisma plus the intimidation. What's the difficulty? Given that they're so heavily involved in what's going on, the difficulty is going to be eight. So three successes. Three successes. So you really just bellow. You belt it out at this point. The kid with the shattered phone is already sort of on his knees, freaking out about his incredibly pristine, beautiful 11-inch phablet that is now in pieces on the ground. And he looks up and he's totally stops. Something isn't right here. He just got hit on the hand by a broom. The newbie is also stopped. The guy with the assault rifle also just sort of stops. And they're the ones who were sort of up front. In terms of who's remaining, you have the one who's still sort of just like keying into their phone. And uh, he doesn't seem phased. The fifth one, the girl who also had a melee weapon, they're the one in the trench coat, and they do still have sort of a, a weapon on them. They look like they're still pretty committed, but they're the only two who haven't paused. They're also the two who haven't gone yet in this round, but you're pretty sure the rest of them are going to be sort of interrupted in, in what they're going to be doing from here on out, at least momentarily. Dova Bear, what are you going to do? The last two people who aren't phased or have broken phones... How close together are they? It's an academic building. It's a pretty wide hallway. They're not, they're not like right on top of each other. They weren't having to sort of crowd to get through the hallway. But, but are they like scene two close together? Oh, you could get everyone present with scene one. <laughs> oh, well, there we go then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, scene two, scene one is a room. Yeah. Um, you are, you, everyone currently present is scene one range. Okay, then I am going to yell, that's enough of that, stomp on the ground, and use Wayfair plus actor plus scene to launch everybody towards the ceiling. Okay, in terms of just selling that, go ahead and give me charisma plus intimidation uh, to see how much they really believe what you're doing. Oh, that's uh, difficulty is eight. Two successes. So you really sell it, and they were already pretty taken aback. So I'm going to go ahead and give that to you as a second level. So your difficulty on this is only going to be seven. You started at nine because of the inclusion of scene. So your difficulty on the roll will be seven. So that's actor three, I think. So you have the more traditional realms then. Yep, because I'm old as fuck. Okay, you don't know any of them, so you're going to have to cheat actor. Oh, um, that's fine. Two successes. Two successes, and this is for first level Wayfair? Yep, so I'm hopscotching them up. They'll probably hit the ceiling before they go any farther. Oh, ow. Uh, okay, so you raise your foot and you stomp it down, and all five of them go hurtling up. They all smack into the ceiling with a tremendous amount of force.
course and as is common in so many of these academic buildings this is drop ceiling so they're actually going to hit sort of those metal intersections and it's going to bend around them and cut at them and then they're going to fall back down on that hard tile on cement flooring so conrad you have just witnessed a number of uh, very misled, very dangerous citizens get battered, bruised. At least one of them is going to land on that floor and bash their head into it and start bleeding. None of them are knocked out. None of them are dead, certainly. But they all took a serious beating. And you can all see sort of the lunacy hit them. Everyone roll anthropic hostility as you just see their reaction to what they just experienced and their abject horror and surprise at it and disbelief. Uh, difficulty on that will be eight. As long as you succeed, you don't take an anthropic hostility. Did anyone fail on anthropic hostility? Simon did. Man, Tova Bear is on a one-way trip to not being here anymore. You find it especially awful that they rejected your work. They wanted to play. Why aren't they playing? (laughs) You are offended that they do not like the way you are playing their game. It is quite awful. And you just feel the memory of what you were and the way that they refuse to acknowledge it. Just eat at the inside of you. And it's just anxiety-making and jittering. Does anyone else fail their anthropic hostility role? No, I barely made it. Okay. They have not faced this before. They are all going to run in a panic. They're going to try and help their friend whose head is bleeding because he landed poorly on the very hard tile flooring. He's sort of stumbled out and you suspect he very likely has a concussion. I was connected to their phones during that entire interaction. You were connected to their phones. Actually, their phones all continue to work because their phones were not the target. Most of them dropped their phones when that happened, and their phones were not hurled into the air. So they fell, and none of them sort of hit perfectly and broke. They're generally pretty durable, so they're all still active. Did they all pick up their phones? Let's find out if they all picked up their phones. These are millennials. Yeah, one of them is bleeding and with a concussion, though. Two of them did not. The kid with a concussion and the newbie both panicked and ran off without grabbing their phones. The rest of them did pick up their phones. So, Conrad, I do want to ask, given what you've just witnessed, if you will have any particular reaction. I was checking to see if I have any medicine. I do not. So I was never trained in any sort of first aid situations. Even with that said, I'm going to immediately check on the person with a head injury and be like, are you okay? So you say that they they ran in a panic. Their friends helped them up. There is a vulnerable moment if one of you wanted to attack them further, but they immediately do not seem like a threat to any of you. Unlike their statement, we are not contractually obligated to kill them. <laughs> um, I roar at them. <laughs> that you do not need to roll to further intimidate them at this point. That is quite easy to do. They rush off in the other direction. 
Simon, remember to mark your territory later. So there are the two phones there after they rush off, and the phones are still active and appear to be projecting holograms. Once the owners get a certain range away, you can see the holograms fall off of them, but the phones are still very active. And now that they don't have a target, they are very uncomfortable to be around. You suspect that if you stay in their presence, you will experience further anthropic hostility, unless they can be shut down. Neodymium will analyze the program they are running as much as he can by trying to shunt them into he basically wants to jailbreak one of them so that he can look at the code that it's running in a more direct sense. Okay. And then he will delete whatever application is doing that once he's gotten enough data. Let me ask you, you had successfully connected, you know, with those four successes, you had successfully connected to several of their phones. Not all of them, the four successes. Are you going to maintain the connections you have with the individuals who are running off? No, he's going to shut his connection to all of them save one, one of the ones in front of him, because there's no reason to maintain that constant connection now. He will memorize the um, IP address for those other phones. Okay. Give me a wits plus dowsing roll. Difficulty is going to be six on this. I got one. Uh, That's enough because your memory is so incredibly sharp. You are aware when anything is disrupting it. You try really hard to look at and memorize those IP addresses, and you can immediately tell that they're not registering properly. You've gone into hibernation once or twice. You're aware that even with edict memory, data loss can happen when holographic forms de-res and have to be resubstantiated within their hosts. This feels very much like that. This A, data is protected. A, that's gross. Victor, you're gross. <laughs> Even the countless have to deal with the mists. They just don't call them the mists. No, you, you basically just compared like, oh, look, here's my dead grandma. Oh, look, this phone runs my dead grandma. Yes. Ooh, plot twist. <laughs> Aside from the fact that we're dealing with dead grandmas on people's phones, what information am I able to gather from the application that is running Pokemon Go? I mean, countless, the huntening. So you will get the name of the application itself. It is Hunter's Augmented Beta. It looks like a simulated reality game, very much like Pokemon Go, you might say. Similar in model, and there's some menus including information about the game. Interfacing with this is incredibly difficult for you. Every action you take to get information will be an anthropic hostility role. So go ahead and roll that now. The difficulty will be seven. I got one. You got one? So you're fine. You got the initial data. You can roll intelligence plus computers to get additional data. The problem you have right now is, so you have both of these phones are currently, they're still running this application. You can tell there's going to start to be area anthropic hostility from the second phone. 
because you didn't stay connected to it, you didn't shut down the application. When you look at the screen, it seems to be actively seeking a new user. The interface just says, please enter your username and select your icon and profile. And again, looking at it is incredibly uncomfortable and you feel this emanation of anthropic hostility coming from the device, but in a way that almost seems like it would probably be alluring for a native resident of the singularity. So it's landed face up. The phone that you're connected to is doing the same thing, but you're connected to it. Really probably don't want to stay around both of them, though. Like I said, he's only going to try and get as much out of the one phone as possible, which mm-hmm. if he feels picking it up and getting a little distant from the other would make this only slightly safer. Like, there's no such thing as safe. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see how many successes I get. Two successes. Two successes. So you're able to open up the information about telling you more about the game. It's currently in beta. There's a copyright detail at the bottom. It's being made by a subdivision of a game company. It's called Avalon Interactive. And it's the newest, best thing in simulated reality where you can engage with other people in realistic combat. And there's a whole pitch there you find a a small statement there that it's basically being piloted in the Seattle area. I'm going to jump over to Mark. What are you going to be doing? Now that I'm done with my battle cry, I'm assuming I also notice those things look dangerous. Oh, yeah, all of you. Everyone except Conrad is very acutely aware of how dangerous those things are. And even Conrad, because you are currently abducted, There is an anxiety there. It's disrupting something about you. You just don't understand it the same way. Commodore, would you mind turning some of those off? Oh, yeah. So Conrad's going to pick up the phones and not turn them off. He is going to slam them to the ground to turn them off. So I'm going to back up before you take that action, that whisper in the back of your mind that you've been sort of trying to ignore sort of says, wouldn't you really like to know more about what's going on here before you do that? Come on, it's right there. You can see the connections. You look up and you can see the lines of radiation, of energy that are emanating from this thing. They are spatial and it is directly interacting with all of the holographic forms and disrupting them just past the subspace barrier and it would be so easy for you to reach out and see it it's in the higher harmonics it's impacted by the layer of subspace that anthropically projects you can see the mapping you just have to go in and map it yeah charlie just just take the phone and become loved and all shall despair Okay, it's not the one ring. (laughs) No, you Um, can copy it. I I will say that the feeling you're getting here is not click into the phone and join and, you know, take part in the game. This is more you can see how all of this is interacting and uh, you know you could get more information if you just put a little work into it. Is there any part of me that thinks that's dangerous? No, I mean, you've been studying holographic life forms for most of your career. You have never experienced any threat. The threat is in getting close enough to study them, not in the studying itself. And that ship has sailed. (laughs) Right. 
Yeah, then I'm going to check it out. I, w- I want to know more. Why wouldn't okay. I? You know that studying holographic life forms, especially xenoforms, as opposed to ones who take on more native structures, you definitely want to use dimensional science, sort of see how all those fields are interacting. But you also know that mind is very useful. They tend to engage with the portions of subspace that harmonize with thought forms. So you would want to engage both of those in this analysis. How will you go about gathering this information? That is a good question and one that I don't have an immediate answer to because I would initially use like uh, this type of analysis would require a physical device of some sort, some sort of meter or reader. Perhaps I have an app on my phone that I could use that is sort of related. Give me a wits plus technology role. Difficulty is going to be eight. Uh, No successes. I'm actually, if you want to push through this, you could spend a willpower. I'll go ahead and let you spend a willpower after the fact on this one. Is that something you'd be interested in? Okay. You sort of look down, you realize there's all of this data in front of you. You just need to get access to it. You look down and you can see the energy coming out of these phones. Really, you can see it so clearly because of the fact that you're in this altered state. You're beginning to remember. Like when you first glided into it, you just accepted it. You're realizing it's different, but might as well take advantage. One of them is very clearly being actively manipulated right now. You suspect by neodymium based on what he's doing. The other one is not. You can see what it's emanating. It is almost certainly an extraordinary device. And with a little bit of work, you might be able to modify it to get the necessary sensor suite that you need. I will reach down and attempt to do those modifications. Okay. You pick up the phone and you begin diving into the software. You move right past the game. Um, I assume you shut off the game immediately. You can inspect that code yep. later. And you go mm-hmm. directly into the kernel of this thing to see... What are the specs on the extraordinary hardware? What about this is a wonder? You are able to find that information and you can tell that it's equipped with a pretty solid sensor suite specifically tuned to holographic reality. There is an array of software here for hardware that isn't there. The software is designed and has drivers to work clearly on a variety of devices more expansive and more powerful than this one. Hmm. You can investigate that later. Go ahead and give me an intelligence plus technology role. This will be difficulty seven, basically to, to access the raw drivers and get everything working the way you need it to. Three successes. You're absolutely able to make this change. If you want to make the Arate role on this one, you can, since you did get such a solid success to reconfigure the sensors, I'll give you minus one difficulty on that perception roll. So that'll only be difficulty three. And Neodymium, are you going to make another information gathering roll? There's time at this point. And I will say the anthropic hostility from the second phone has been shut off. So you bought a little bit of time. You're pretty sure uh, more general hostility is going to happen soon, though. So I am going to make another roll. I already did a... I just for banality unless the difficulty is changed we got two successes so you're fine let's see if we can get more than two successes on computers and shit 
even if you only get one, this is cumulative. So every success will get you new information. I got three successes. With three successes, you were able to tell that it is drawing zero-point energy directly from digital subspace to manifest holographic icon information onto the individuals using it. It also has an interface which is pulling and refining anthropic hostility from the user. So those waves of anthropic hostility were being developed from the user itself, and it collected that energy and stored it in the phone. So the phone has a repository of concentrated anthropic hostility right now, which is being emanated from the phone. That is what is causing problems, and that is what makes interfacing with this so difficult. He's going to attempt this one more time, and then he's going to do something different right afterwards. The next roll, the anthropic hostility will be one higher. It is sort of escalating as you stay connected, so the difficulty is is eight now. Still two. Okay, then you are fine. Just three more successes. So with the three successes, you've really cracked this program open at this point. You know that it is part of a network of phones. You can see that there are small devices that have been added to these phones. You would have to crack the phone open to get to the devices. So there'd definitely be some hardware work there. You feel like you would really need to shut down the anthropic hostility that's building in the phone to do that safely. Just so everyone knows at the end of this action, everyone else will take a lower difficulty anthropic hostility role. It is starting to pulse out into the room in a more substantial form. These phones have clearly been modified to work with this game, as it were. And the coding on this is not like any game you've ever seen before. This is tactical, and it is sending an enormous amount of data back to the servers. And not just usage data. It's tracking locations. And you actually see a full suite of sensor data of locations across the city. It's not just the campus but across the city of places where these phones have detected holographic life forms and the information that they're collecting and mapping about those detections. One of the mutations that my character has is that he actually sees digital signals and with eidetic memory, I'm supposing... You're going to have the same problem with the IPs in terms of eidetic memory. All of this is slightly tainted by anthropic hostility. So basically, you're still going to have to make memory rolls to get this perfectly, despite that merit, because it's it's tainted information in the way you consume it. Because you have eidetic memory, though, your difficulty will be much lower than it would be for another countless. I'm going to have everyone else go ahead and roll. It's just the first round of it, so I'm going to make this a difficulty six anthropic hostility roll. It is also at this point that he would uh, close down and delete the application. Okay. So if you close down and delete the application, this will be the only anthropic hostility role that the rest of you have to take. I am going to ask you to roll your computer plus intelligence to do that successfully. Difficulty will be eight. Three, you're able to do that. You can tell as you are doing it, the anthropic hostility is still stored within the hardware on the phone. You realize that if you had done that with less deafness, it could have gone poorly. You can safely carry it now, but there is always the risk that that containment would be compromised. Well, before I jump over to Conrad, for Casey and Esty, and I guess for Mark as well, 
well, these two have been hacking away and working with the hardware. It's been five, six minutes. Have you been doing anything in that time? Trying to stay as far away from those phones as possible because it feels really gross being near them. It does. It doesn't reach a really acute level until that wave hits that you just rolled anthropic hostility for. And right after that, the anxiety went away. It sort of disappeared as soon as that happened. You don't feel an immediate threat being around them, but it still makes you nervous. Like, what if it started leaking again? Because you don't know what's going on there. Taking a wide berth, I think Casey would have checked both ends of the hallway to make sure that no one came because of the noise and commotion. No, and actually, you realize once you get all the way to the end of the hallway that you find yourself walking out of a holographic sound field. And you get past this certain point, you can't see it, and suddenly you can't hear anything that's going on behind you. Neodymium was ranting about what he was finding, sort of talking as he hacked, and there were other anxious conversation going on. And you pass this point, sort of where you would turn to go down another hallway, and you realize you can't hear them anymore. And then when you turn and go back in, you re-enter this field just as there's kind of this first overwhelming wave of anthropic radiation, and then everything shuts down. When you sort of step through that barrier again, it doesn't happen. Whatever that holographic depression was, it's now removed. Ah, okay. One and, other quick question. Uh, yes. The kid who whose phone I broke, did yes. he leave it there or did he take it with him? He took it with him, crying all the way home. He was very, very sad and he's desperately hoping he can fix it, but he did take his phone with him. Okay. <laughs> Mark, before I jump back over to Conrad, are you doing anything or are you just sitting and watching what's going on. I'm a very patient bear. And I know I would not get anything out of this kind of nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Conrad, how many successes did you get on your heritage? Two. Two successes. That is enough for you to get an enormous amount of information about what's going on. You will get in much more detail the exact mapping of that anthropic radiation, as well as sort of pulling in the zero-point energy. You have read some sort of small theories among circles of researchers that you are connected with within your convention about wrinkles within subspace, holes and hidden sub-realms that have really only been discovered and The engineers have only started to meaningfully map in the last few decades. There were some older records and the occasional topographer of subspace that had reported findings previously, but they weren't taken seriously until the last few decades. You can see that this device is actually moving through subspace directly into one of those wrinkles, one of those sort of uh, hidden sub-realms, and it is pulling incredibly unstable energy directly from those realms into reality. And that is fueling everything that you saw, everything that that they were doing. While at the same time, these phones basically have sort of a small, incomplete version of the format space procedure. They have very small space formatting engines built into them. They're pulling energy from another source and 
that source appears to be coming from the higher harmonics of subspace that are strongly tied to psychic phenomenon. Almost all of the energy in that portion of subspace, when it's this close to the mud ball, come from people. And so you think the most likely scenario is that it is harvesting energy directly. And when you look down and you sort of map through how much it was pulling out, you're aware that both of those phones have an enormous amount of quintessence stored in them. Heavily formatted, heavily corrupted quintessence. This is not free-flowing energy. This, is, this would need some, some serious reprocessing to be usable in any sort of safe way. This is fairly substantial modified enlightened devices. Hidden is a phone. I think Conrad is too flabbergasted to dig much deeper than that. And he, he will definitely mention his shock in, uh, how would I go about that? It'd probably be like, these are things that, while shouldn't exist, is too obvious to note. These are things that exist that should not exist. So you have one of these devices now that is safe. You were on your way back to your observatory. I assume you want to finish that. And I'm guessing that you will take the device that you've hacked into with you. I'm definitely taking the one that I've dug deep into. As as dangerous as it might be, it would be more dangerous to not keep control of it. Okay. So Conrad is taking the device that he hacked into. You all realize that he was very quickly changing and working with this phone. It, it seemed very natural to him. And he has pocketed the phone. Neodymium, are you going to take the phone that you hacked into with you? It no longer has this application on it. So it's not going to accidentally start up again, but you're fairly certain there is a battery of anthropic radiation in the phone. So he's not going to take the physical phone because he doesn't need it. He is, however, going to rip the hard drive out of it. The alternative is he would copy all of the user data because what he wants to figure out is when and where this person encountered an advertisement or a communication related to this app. You would immediately feel that copying the data off the phone is the safer route in order for a phone to be able to store anthropic radiation or zero-point energy the way this phone was doing. It would almost certainly have hardware modifications, and you're not certain what would happen if you touched the wrong chip or what that chip would look like, and you certainly don't feel comfortable doing that modification here without more advanced equipment. So I'm going to copy all the data off of it, and then I'm going to chuck it into a lake. (laughs) You're in Seattle. There are no lakes, but you could go down by the shore and throw it into the ocean. Oh, there's Fair probably enough. a water feeder feature on wait, campus. Wait, that's true. We're there, in a we're in a bioengineering building. There's a fucking sink. Oh, there's absolutely a sink. Oh, you yeah. can get it in water. I'm just saying there probably isn't a whole lake. There might well, be a fine under a, a stream somewhere. He will chuck it undramatically into a sink full of water. 
All right. But before that, Conrad would ask you for it for research purposes. You don't need the phone. I have the data. Correct. You have one of the phones. There's some mechanical elements to these that are very dangerous, and I don't want them to accidentally fall into someone else's hands. This is a logical proposition, Charlie. Does Neodymium hand the phone to Commodore Conrad, 64? He's going to put it in a Ziploc bag first and then hand it to him. You're able to find a Ziploc bag somewhere in the uh, the service room. He keeps Ziploc bags. That makes perfect sense. So He collects rare materials, which apparently just inhabit all of Seattle. Seems logical. So he puts the phone into a Ziploc bag, and he will hand it over to Conrad. You are all now equipped to head back to your observatory. We are going to, at this point, wrap up our tech fantasy story for the evening, and we will come back and see what all of this really means on the next episode of Hunter's Augment on Walking Away from Arcadia. I'd like to thank everyone for coming and playing and everyone for listening to our continuing adventure. (laughs) 